Hello, and welcome back to the Homegrown Horticulture Podcast. My name is Tom Bettis. I'm an extension agent with Utah State University Extension, and I'm based in Orem, Utah. This podcast is for those that live in the Intermountain West, a forgotten about area in a lot of situations when it concerns growing plants. On today's episode, we are going to talk about growing raspberries. A lot of times people will put raspberries into the yard and then wonder why they struggle. And I want to clear up some of the misconceptions and maybe even mysteries about growing raspberries successfully. For me, the first consideration about growing raspberries is, do I actually have an appropriate spot in my yard or on my property to successfully grow them? A lot of times people will buy several acres wanting to homestead or even purchase a new home on an extremely small lot and have no idea what they're going to be getting into as far as planting a raspberry patch. And so when I'm looking for a spot to grow my raspberries, the first thing I look at is the amount of sunlight that area gets. Raspberries can tolerate a little bit of shade, but require about eight hours of sunlight a day. And so the north side of your home or the north side of a shed is not going to work as far as getting good berry production. The next aspect I want to consider includes what's growing already where my raspberry patch is going to be. Do I have turf grass there, or is it just an open space with weeds? I'm mainly concerned about what weeds are growing there because weed control in an established raspberry patch is quite difficult. And so if I have things like quack grass or field bindweed growing in that area, they are going to need to be controlled 100% ahead of time because it is extremely difficult to get those out of raspberries to pretty much impossible. And so to control hard-to-kill weeds, you're probably going to need a growing season. Now, I'm not just talking about dandelions or other annuals. This, again, is more things like quack grass and filled bindweed. If you want to control these weeds without the use of pesticide, then one method to do that is called solarization where you would stretch clear construction-grade plastic over your patch in the spring. You would need to secure it to the ground and then let it sit the entire growing season from May into October. And what will happen is underneath it will cook the soil. And if it doesn't totally kill those hard-to-kill weeds, it will do a lot to reduce the population. If they do come back at all, you may need to do a little bit of cleanup with an herbicide or just plan on keeping them under control using constant vigilance so they don't get loose in your berry patch. If you choose to use pesticides, then there are some herbicides that will do a lot to control harder-to-kill weeds. This includes glyphosate, which is a very common herbicide sold as Roundup, Killzall, and many other brands. 2,4-D and another chemical called quinclorac could also be useful. Now, even though I throw these out there, what I would do is consult with your local extension office to make sure that these are legal to use where you live. Additionally, follow those label instructions extremely closely, using safety equipment, waiting the amount of time you need to before you replant to make sure that you keep your kids and pets and others safe. The next thing I consider is the soil. 
Now, in your neighborhood, if there are lots of people growing gardens, lots of kinds of trees, lots of vegetable crops, then you probably don't need to do much as far as soil testing because you can be reasonably assured that raspberries will do well where you live. But if it's a brand new area where nobody is really growing a lot of vegetable crops or a diversity of plants, then you may consider soil testing as far as making sure that the soil is amenable to growing raspberries. There are many soil labs out there that can test soil. Utah State University has one. Brigham Young University has one. I know Idaho and Colorado both have facilities that can test soils. Plus, there are many private labs. In Utah, among our agricultural community, a lab called Stukenholz up in Idaho is also quite common. There are many others. And so when you get your soil tested, the main things you're looking for are salinity levels, the soil pH, the soil texture, that would be whether it's a clay or a loam or a sandy loam, there's many other types, and also the phosphorus and potassium levels. These five measures, if they are acceptable on your soil test, will usually indicate whether you can grow raspberries and many other garden crops. The soil test results you get back will also tell you if you need to make any changes to the soil on how to do that or who to contact to help interpret the test so that they can make recommendations to you. So about 95% of the time, though, your soil should be fine for growing raspberries. And so once you determine that it is fine, the next step is actually preparing the soil for planting. Your raspberry rows should be about two to two and a half feet wide. And then if you're doing lots of raspberries, your rows should be spaced about eight feet apart because of how tall the raspberries can get. They will actually arch over and you will need that eight feet to be able to get between your rows. One of the biggest mistakes is people will actually plant raspberries in a patch. And especially if they're a thorny variety, they can be extremely difficult to get to. The question remains on whether you should incorporate organic matter or compost into your rows. And the answer can be a little complicated, but if your soil is good soil, you may not need to. But if it's new or it's an area of new construction and you suspect maybe your topsoil was hauled away by your contractor, compost is never a bad idea. And so what you would do is apply about two inches on top of the row, maybe three inches, and then work that into the soil with a rototiller or a spade about six inches deep. Now, if you have a clay soil, this would be something I would recommend. In clay soils, you also may need to make a form of raised beds where your rows are elevated about a foot above the soil surface and about two to two and a half feet wide to accommodate the berries. This will allow for drainage, or at least more drainage, and reduce the possibility of the raspberries getting root rot and a number of other conditions. Now, when to plant raspberries is actually about now. They're becoming available at local garden centers and by mail order. And what you'll usually find this time of year is that they are bare root. That's fine. They'll establish well. And you would plant them every two to two and a half feet in the row. Once they're established, they will actually fill in rather quickly. Now, the first 30 to 60 days is critical 
when you plant bare root raspberries because the soil cannot be allowed to dry out, but you don't want it muddy wet. And so you may end up watering three or four times a week lightly to keep the soil moist, especially as the weather gets hotter. But once they are established, especially after one year, they need to be watered six inches to a foot deep once to twice a week and maybe three times a week when they're forming fruit, especially if it's hot, so you don't get a reduced fruit size from a lack of water. One final thing about raspberries before we get into actually varieties and if you want everbearers or summer bearers is where you actually get your plants. It is very common to get plants from neighbors that have had theirs in for several years and they have extra so you take them home. The danger of this is that those raspberries are oftentimes loaded with diseases, especially if they have been in for several years. They get an accumulation of viruses that oftentimes aren't very obvious as far as symptoms, but the main thing that you see is that you'll have reduced production as compared to planting new plants. So I would recommend purchasing from local vendors or online. You can take your choice there depending on what your needs are, but make sure that those plants are what's called virus indexed. They'll have a certificate or a tag on them or the vendor will have one saying that, they're, saying that their stock was tested and found to be virus-free. Sometimes they may also just say tested virus-free when you purchase, but you want to be sure of that. And so as far as getting more toward what variety should I grow, it's important to understand a little bit about the life cycle and the physiology of raspberries. Raspberries have perennial roots, meaning that the roots themselves live for several years, but the canes where they grow leaves and we pick fruit only live two years. And so a first-year cane is called a primocane because it's the first year. And as the primocanes mature, the second year they are called a floracane because they flower and produce fruit on the second year growth. After the second year is done, that cane dies. And so to keep the cycle going, the roots, which are perennial, send up new primocanes every year that turn into floracanes on the second year and then die. And so understanding this life cycle is actually important in understanding how to manage your raspberries. So let's go ahead and start off with summer bearing varieties. Utah State University has done quite a bit of work with raspberries over the last 10 or 15 years and found a few cultivars that work relatively well and found a few cultivars that work relatively well on the Wasatch Front. These include Camby, Cascade Delight, Cowichan, Killarney, Reveille, Jewel, and Royalty. There are dozens of others that would do fine, but those are a few that USU has researched. In the Intermountain West, summer-bearing raspberries will bear fruit between mid-June and July, depending on the particular cultivar. And if you live in an area with fewer than 130 frost-free days, these summer-bearing raspberries will actually be more productive because the ever-bearers on their second crop will often be frozen before you get a complete second crop harvested. Another common question I get is about how to actually prune summer-bearing raspberries. 
Now, the good thing about raspberries is those canes die after two years. And so in late fall or early spring, the first thing you do in your rows is actually just go out and take out all the dead canes. The second procedure is to space those canes out every six inches in the row. The raspberries that you have not taken out do not need to be in a perfect line. They just need to be spaced out every six inches within the row, so it would be fine to have two next to each other six inches apart or even diagonally. The other thing to be aware of when you're removing canes is you want to take the weakest ones out, and so anything narrower than the width of a pencil would be removed, and you would leave the stronger canes behind spaced every six inches. The final step to pruning summer-bearing raspberries is actually, if they're too tall, just cutting them down to chest height. And now let's talk about ever-bearing raspberries. They're also called fall-bearing or double-cropping. There's several names for them, but their claim to fame is that you get a fall crop after the summer-bearing varieties are done. Some varieties or cultivars that USU has tested include Polka, Joan Jay, Polana, P-O-L-A-N-A, Josephine, and Caroline. Of these, if you live in an area with a shorter growing season, Polka, P-O-L-K-A, is one that you would want to grow because its second crop is super early as compared to many others. Joan Jay and Polana are quite early, and then Caroline is a mid-season and Josephine is quite late, and so it's probably more suitable for areas with a longer growing season. Depending on how they're harvested, fall-bearing raspberries can be quite easy to prune. In late fall or early spring, you just cut everything within a couple of inches of the ground. Because these bear off of new growth in the fall, you can get a pretty good harvest in the fall and just not worry about having to separate out the dead and the living and everything else. Now let's say that you actually want to double crop these everbearing raspberries to where you would get a summer crop and a fall crop. Pruning is going to be very similar to summer bearing varieties to where in late fall or early spring, you just go in and take out all of the dead canes and then space them every six inches in the row and cut them to chest height. Both summer and everbearing raspberries can also get quite tall. And so it's going to be, if you want to take proper care of them, important to create a trellis system to support them. This will make it easier to pick them and just make general care easier. Another question I often get is, what's wrong with my raspberries? Raspberries are actually quite prone to several different things that can reduce their health. I already mentioned viruses and why you don't want to take the neighbor's raspberries that they're giving away. These viruses can actually build up in the soil, and even if you put a new patch in with virus-free stock, because they're in the soil already, it, reduce, it reduces the lifespan of the it reduces the lifespan of the stuff that you just planted. Iron chlorosis is another deficiency or another problem that raspberries commonly have in our alkaline soils. Iron chlorosis is primarily caused by our alkaline soil. What happens in alkaline soil is that much of the iron in the soil settles out of solution and so it's no longer water-soluble. 
Because it's not water-soluble, it can't really be transported through the roots. The symptom of iron chlorosis is yellow leaves with light green veins. Iron chlorosis is also made worse by overwatering. The reason you only water a couple of times a week in general is to allow the soil to dry out moderately between irrigations. With more air in the soil, it makes it easier for the roots to uptake iron into the plant. Cool weather also can induce iron chlorosis. A lot of times this is just temporary though, and as the weather warms up, new growth will come out green. And so to reduce or prevent iron chlorosis, it's important to not water too early in the spring when the soil is already moist. Additionally, space out your irrigation so that there's a few days between them. However, it still may be necessary to add what is called chelated iron. C-H-E-L-A-T-E-D, and then iron. Some common brands include Sprint 138, Miller Ferra Plus, and Grow More Chelated Iron. These all have a formulation of iron called EDDHA iron that stays available in our soil and is water-soluble for between one and two years. Now, there are some other things that can look like iron chlorosis. One of them is winter damage. This is where the new canes look perfectly healthy, and then the second-year canes will look quite damaged and oftentimes have yellow and scorched leaves on that second-year growth. Another thing that sometimes can look like iron chlorosis is raspberry crown borer. This is a borer that gets into the crowns and roots of the plant and causes problems with sap flow. And so the damaged crowns and roots can cause the foliage to turn yellow and scorch due to a lack of water and nutrients being transported up to them. At least along the Wasatch Front, another major pest of raspberries is an insect called raspberry horntail. It gets into the tips and works its way down and causes the branches to flag over and the leaves to wilt from the top down. It can be cut out of the plants if there aren't too many of them. In more severe cases, it may need to be sprayed, starting at bud break in the spring and then 14 days later. Another similar pest, at least as far as damage to watch for, is called rose stem girdler. Infected canes will have tips that flag over more toward when the raspberries start to bloom. If you just have a few of them, cut them out below where you see damage until you find the insect inside the cane. If you have an infestation that's damaging many canes, then you may need to spray, which should happen a couple of weeks before the raspberries go into bloom. Spider mites are another major pest of raspberries. You start watching for them in late spring and early summer when the weather starts to consistently be in the high 80s to low 90s. Spider mites really love heat and they really like dry weather. So to monitor for them, what you would watch for are leaves that take on a dusty appearance and you will oftentimes find webbing in these leaves. They will start to turn a lighter, maybe grayish green and if you look at them with a magnifying glass, you oftentimes will see modeling on them of light brown or light yellow spots where the spider mites have sucked some of the juice out of the leaves. Initially, you often see spider mites just on a few plants, but within a few weeks, they can be throughout the entire patch, and the longer you wait, the harder they can be to control. 
There are several other pests that can occasionally get on raspberries. I will include several fact sheets about raspberries and raspberry pests and even cultivars in the show notes. Thank you again for listening. The Homegrown Horticulture Podcast is a production of Utah State University Extension. Thank you.